The verse that came with our, uh, our reading this week in our Core 52 material is from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. Uh, it says this, For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. When you enter into relationships, the, uh, I think one of our, uh, just a quick statement of reading that got me thinking about it. When we enter into a lot of relationships, oftentimes there are not manuals that come with, this is how to relate to this person, right? You maybe begin to date someone, you marry someone, you have children, you go to work for someone and just understanding their mind. What are they thinking? What's on their, what's on their mind? What's their motivations? Uh, what do they want? Um, sometimes those are hard things to figure out, right? And it would be handy sometimes to have a manual that says, okay, here's what your wife means when she says, oh, it's fine. No, that doesn't mean it. That's not what she means. There's a, it could be a three or four chapter book, but and that's not what she means, right? And so those manuals will be helpful. Uh, and yet this verse causes us to pause and think about uh, a greater mind than any of them, anyone that we relate to, that we think about here in this world. I love how it asks the question and in other places in scripture, it, it, it reinforces this question that repeats it. Uh, who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? but we have the mind of Christ. And so one of the things that as Tim was reading from Colossians 2 there, um, that Christ is the fullness of God in human flesh. One of the cool things about that is that we don't have to wonder as much what's on God's mind. What does God want? What is it that God is looking for? What does he really want out of his creation, out of us? Um, there are certainly great things to ponder there, but um, we are not left um, without answers because not only do we have a word, but we have the man, Jesus Christ, who reveals that to us and shows us that. And, and now as Christians, we have the mind of Christ that can live inside of us through the word and through the spirit as well. And so I want us to unpack that a little bit here today to think about that good news under the theme of uh, part of what it means to, to kingdom live is that you seek after the will of God. And so that implies, well, what is the will of God? Um, and, and all of us have probably asked that question at different times and places of our life. Um, what does God want me to do? And oftentimes we're thinking in, in details, right? We're thinking about, well, should I take this job? Should I hang out with this person or all those little things? Um, but oftentimes scripture doesn't always leave us specific things on those things, but it does give us a great framework from which to make those decisions. And that's what we want to look at today. And so the good news is simply this idea. And this is kind of the, uh, the thing I want you to think about with me uh, today. It's simply this idea that God's will is still knowable. Uh, God's will is still knowable, right? Uh, there is um, a part of us that um, maybe you've grown up in church and maybe you haven't, but if you have, you probably know, well, that's not a profound statement. But I think as we go through life, sometimes life can get pretty confusing. Um, even when we're trying to walk with the Lord, life can get pretty confusing sometimes. Um, and maybe we begin to doubt, maybe we wrestle with that, but I think there is a helpful thought for us to just come back and think, you know what, God, your, your will is not unknowable. It is not distant. It is not something that I just can't know. Um, and so in all the things and all the noise and all the um, emotion in our world and our culture right now, I think it's helpful for us to say, you know what, God has a will and that will is not beyond me knowing. And so I need to seek that um, and I need to just pursue that. 
to kind of boil it down and make this simple again. And so um, God's will is still knowable. Uh, I, and so I want to read a couple of verses. I want you to, if you have a Bible, uh, some of these will be on the screen. Uh, but if you go, want to go to Romans chapter 12, I want to read some verses from Romans 12. And then we're going to backtrack into Romans 11 because there's an important word. And I think that helps us and connects these two passages. But Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 um, says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not, be, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what's, what's the next phrase there? What God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so Paul makes us think about, okay, there's this will that God has for us. Uh, but I want us to, before we dive too far into that, and we're going to spend a few moments walking through a few of those things that kind of show us, well, if I want to know God's will in my life, these is kind of the directions I need to aim. But there's a, if you back up a slide, go to verse one again. Um, it says there's that little word therefore, right? And, and sometimes we've thrown out the phrase that when you're reading your Bible and you see the word therefore, you need to stop and ask the question, well, what's that therefore, therefore, right? Because therefore is a connecting word. It, it always is, is, is bouncing off of, it is connecting to what's just been said. Um, and if you back up to Romans chapter 11, verse 33, you find that Paul has just um, highlighted the mind, the thought, patterns of God and to encourage us in them, to praise God for the depth of his knowledge. Listen to what it says in Romans eleven thirty three. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. So as you guys think about how we live our life, how do we navigate all the things that come our way? Isn't it good news to think that there's a God who has a great mind, who knows all his, his thoughts, his knowledge, his wisdom is deep. So all oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable, inscrutable his ways. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Now, a lot of us, I bet, have tried to be God's counselor from time to time, thinking, oh God, this is what you need to do here, right? I've got this all figured out. Here's the plan, do this, all right? And if you don't, I'm gonna pout about it, okay? Uh, I need you to do this. But he asked the question, because God's mind, because his thoughts are so deep and so rich and so wise, it's really a rhetorical question. The answer to that is who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has ever given to God that God should repay them? None of us. The answer to that question, none of us can sit in counsel of God, say, oh, this is what you should do, God. You're forgetting this part over here. God knows it all. And God is given it all. And so none of us are in a position to advise God, to demand of God, to expect things from God. And so Paul praises God for the greatness of his thoughts, for the greatness of his will. And then he finishes in verse 36 with this little doxology, for from him and through him and for him are all things to him be the glory forever. Amen. And so that beautiful little passage uh, then leads into Romans 12, that in light of God's great wisdom and all that God has done to bring salvation, to, to save us, that he's talked about through those first 11 chapters of the book, he then gets to chapter 12, verse one, and says, therefore, in view of God's mercy. 
And so he, he finishes all that by celebrating the wisdom and the knowledge and, the, and just the mind of God. And so it's helpful for us. Um, sometimes it's helpful to read passages in different translations and things and kind of add some richness to your understanding of a text. And, and the message paraphrase, not a translation, but just a paraphrase, sometimes comes through and it just unpacks things in a pretty helpful way. So listen to the messages version, beginning in chapter 11, verse 33, down into chapter 12, verses one and two. Listen just closely to how um, this is unpacked. Have you ever come, come on anything quite like this extravagant generosity of God, this deep, deep wisdom. It's way over our heads and we'll never figure it out. Is there anyone around who can explain God? Anyone smart enough to tell him what to do? Anyone who has done him such a huge favor that God has to ask his advice? Everything comes from him. Everything happens through him. Everything ends up in him. Always glory, always praise. And instead of the amen, he uses the yes, yes, yes. Because when you echo an amen to a prayer, what you're saying is yes, I agree with that. I, I reinforce that in my mind. And then he transitions to chapter 12, verses one and two um, to say this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work and you're walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into, what, fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God, who will be, you will then be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. And so he celebrates the idea of God's will and how that leads us to a good place in life. And it honors God, most importantly. And so I just would highlight a few things from this passage that kind of help us think about it as God's will. And, and as I think about that, as I pray, God, lead me. I want your will to be done in my life. Um, what do we learn from this passage that can help us with that? Number one is this. I think knowing begins with surrendering. Knowing God's will always begins with surrendering my will. I think it's impossible for us to say, okay, here's my will. Here's what I want to do in my life. Um, and then God's will, those two things are held up and they always match up, right? Our flesh, our selfishness, our small perspective from just the, the limited life we have and knowledge we have, um, it just isn't going to compete with God's big big picture perspective. And so knowing always begins with surrendering. And that's what Romans 12 calls us to, right? If I'm going to know this good and perfect will, I've got to put myself on the altar. I've got to die to me. Uh, I need to put all of me in God's hands and say um, that I'm yours. What is your will for my life? Um, you can't hold it onto it yourself. Again, there's this complete sacrificial picture here um, that uh, Paul paints in Romans chapter 12, verses one. Again, it's not coming to God saying, okay, we're equal partners here. I'm gonna give you some advice. I'll listen to a little bit of what you have to say. That's not the picture of Romans 12. People who really begin to understand and know God's will for their life begin from a place of surrender. 
to say, I don't know anything. I don't have anything to offer you. I am completely surrendered to what you would have me to know and to do in my life. And people who, per, who um, come to God with that perspective are people who are going to begin to understand God's will for their life in big and little ways. Because all of a sudden God's motivations begin to creep in and become your motivations and, and God's ways kind of begin to settle into your life and you begin to do things more like he would have you to do them. Um, Caleb Kaltenbach said this, I read this on Twitter um, just this morning actually, it said this, I will never grow beyond whatever I refuse to surrender to God. I think that's a very profound statement. Oftentimes you think, God, I want to grow, I want to be, but we don't want to surrender what we already have. But really that statement is very true. I will never grow beyond whatever I refuse to surrender to God. So I'll never grow beyond a habit or an action or a thought pattern or a relational thing I'm clinging to or an old, old thing. Um, just if I'm holding on to it, I'll never grow beyond that until I learn to surrender that to God and say, God, here it is. I give it up. And then we begin to know and learn God's will for our life. See, knowing begins with surrendering, but, but also I want you to see this from uh, Romans chapter 12, that God's will most often looks very different than the world's ways, right? I, I don't probably have to tell you that, but I think we need to remind ourselves that, that if I'm really going to seek after God's will, it is probably going to lead me down a path that is very, very different than everything else I hear and I'm told in the world around me. God's will most often looks very different than the world's way. You see, what comes naturally to your, to your mind is just the world's natural order of things. But as Christians, we are called to live in the supernatural order of things. We need to listen to Christ. And so I can't conform to the world's standards and, and still grow in God's will for my life. Um, so many of us think that we can follow the world's standards and still have God and, and just kind of blend it all together. And what that ends up being is a very watered down, powerless, ugly version of following after Christ. There are many times that the world's standard is much different than God's standard. And so we must be mindful of that. Um, one example of this, one, we, over the summer, over our break, I tried to visit some other churches. Um, and not a lot of churches were having church. So that was a little challenging uh, for the first month and a half. But uh, one of the churches we did go to was a church in Macon, Missouri. And I got to hear a, a gentleman that I've met and known a little bit just through the Missouri Christian Convention working. And it happened to be close to where our grandson was at. And so we were going to stop there and go and then go see Oliver. And, um, and so I, I, Matt is his name. And uh, I had never heard Matt speak or preach before. And, and uh, I sat through Matt's sermon and I still haven't heard Matt preach before because Matt's theme of that day is that God speaks to us at the volume of silence. I think it was the phrase. Is that right, children? Okay, that close. Uh, that God speaks to us in the volume of silence. And so after the worship was done and, and communion had been had, um, his whole sermon was on a stack of poster board. And so for the next 20, 25, my children would say it was an hour, but it was only 20, 25 minutes. Um, he just held up poster boards and in the silence of the room, uh, we read his sermon, um, which was audaciously amount of writing on poster board, which drives me crazy. But, but it was just that idea that every fifth, sixth, fifth or sixth poster board was God speaks to you in the volume of silence, right? But how many of us incorporate silence into our life? Not many of us, right? The world is so loud, so noisy. 
um, so many voices that are just constantly speaking around us and in us and to us. But if I'm really going to hear from God, I got to come to God in his ways that God oftentimes speaks to us when it's quiet, when I'm willing to find solitude, when I'm willing to, to turn off everything else and be quiet before God. And so God's ways are different. Um, so maybe it's how God speaks to us. Maybe it's the moral ethic that God calls us to live to. Maybe it's the way we treat each other. Maybe it's the way we deal with racial things. Maybe it's the way that we think about our, our tongues and our, our words. Uh, so many things that God's way are oftentimes going to be very different than the world's ways. And so when you begin to ask God for his will for your life, you're going to feel this tension. Well, that feels very foreign. That feels different. I don't know if I want to do that. And that's where the struggle comes is because, well, if I do that, I'm going to look different. I'm going to not fit in. I'm going to have to challenge the status quo of the world. And that can be an uncomfortable thing. But God's will often looks very different than the world's view of things, right? Number three, Romans 12 also teaches us the idea that we need a transformed heart and mind. As Paul talks about in that passage, that we need to not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind, um, that process. And it is a process that begins from the day that we begin to walk with the Lord, and it should never stop. Just transforming our mind and how we think about things in this world, how we think about ourselves how we think about God, how we think about others, just a constantly transformed heart and mind towards those things. Um, and, and that comes as we begin to, to intentionally seek, God, what do you want? As we surrender ourselves daily, God, speak to me, your servants here. Um, God, not my will, but your will be done. All of those things as we seek after them, we need a transformed heart and mind that, that is an ongoing process of God and his spirit and his word working to transform us. And that leads to a fourth thing is this, is that as we grow in discernment, we will see it more clearly. As we grow in discernment, we will see it more clearly. Um, the word discernment, I think, is, is important for this topic um, because what is discernment? It's the ability to distinguish between things, right? And so the longer you walk with the Lord, there ought to be a growth in your ability to discern. Well, that's, that matches with what I read in the Bible. That doesn't match with what I read in the Bible. And the ability to be, to, to, discern those things. Paul uses the word that we'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, perfect, pleasing will. And so we'll begin to see, well, that's a, that's a God thing, but that's not a God thing. And so we'll begin to begin to make those distinctions in our life. Um, and, and I think that also leads to this idea that whenever you um, seek after God's will in your life, He's never going to give you the big picture, right? We all want the big picture. We want the puzzle picture, like the, the top of the puzzle box. We want that picture. Say, so God, this is exactly what it's going to look like. But God doesn't do that. He hides that and he gives you a piece. He says, okay, go find this piece. Go, go figure this one out. And when you do that, I'll give you the next one. I used to play a game um, on my computer back when computer games first came out. Um, and I can't remember the name of it. I didn't put it in my notes. I had it in my head. It was a little game where you started off. Um, oh, some of you will know it. Uh, anyway, it was a game where basically it started off in uh, Age of Empires is what it was. Anybody ever play Age of Empires? No? Okay, just me. It's okay. It was a really fun game uh, that uh, basically it puts you in this little, there's a little, fo for, a little fire camp thing and you're in charge of, 
picking berries and multiplying your people and growing, but it always, there's a huge map on the top screen, but it only sees part of it. And so as you go to another place, more of that screen appears and more of that shows. And so as you walk with the Lord, forget that game, but just as you walk with the Lord, what happens is you only see just the few feet around you, right? And yet as you walk with the Lord, you begin to see a bigger picture. You find, oh, God is faithful and God is good or God is gracious or, or God is firm in what he says. And, and all those things as we bump up and we experience and we walk um, and surrendered seeking after his will. Um, so I would just encourage you today, as you think about this whole idea of seeking after God's will and saying, you know what, I want to be a kingdom citizen who constantly lives out the truth. God, I want your will to be done, not my will. And that is a daily moment by moment wrestling match sometimes. I love what Hebrews chapter five, verse 14 says. It says, for solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish between good and evil. Note that process of growth, right? Maturity as a Christian, part of being a mature Christian is that you have trained yourself by being in the word. You've trained yourself by being around other Christian people who help you mature, uh, other maybe tools that God uses that by constant use, they've trained themselves to distinguish between good and evil. I'm able to say, you know what? That's a God thing. This is not a God thing. And it's a wise person, a mature person who can see those things and respond accordingly. And so many times God's, will for our life is, is very, very clear in a lot of ways. You don't have to wonder, well, I wonder what God would have me to do in this situation. Um, there are a lot of things, there's many of them we could look at. I won't, we're not going to, I'm going to look at four or five of them, not, not just to read the verses, just to show you that as you read your Bible, you're going to begin to find things. This is what God wants. This is God's will for you. For example, God wants you to be a grateful follower Right? God wants you to be grateful as you follow him. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in what circumstances? This is where you say all. Very good. All circumstances, right? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That's God's will. That's what God wants. Is that as you follow him, you give thanks in all circumstances. Now, is that easy? No, that's a very, very hard verse to apply. It's a struggle for a lot of us, including me. But how do I learn to be thankful in all things, in all circumstances? Well, I got to sometimes look beyond the circumstances and see God in those things. And so what is God's will? He wants you to be a grateful follower. God wants you to be committed to a lifestyle of honor and goodness that your life should, should speak of the goodness of God. First Peter 2.15, for this is the will of God that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. In other words, as people attack you for your faith, there ought to be this level of, well, but look at their life. Look at the honor by which they live. Look at the goodness by which they live that ought to speak against any foolish charge that people would bring. Um, again, that's a challenge. It's easier just to get into shouting matches or to... Um, not back up our words with a life like that, but God calls us to have a life of doing good. God wants you and everyone around you to be saved. First, First Timothy 2.4, who desires all people to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. Second uh, Peter 3.9, the Lord is not slow in fulfilling his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing, not wishing, not wanting, not willing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. 
God wants us to pursue purity, 1 Thessalonians 4. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. God wants you to live out patient endurance, Hebrews 10.36. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Again, there's this patient endurance that we just keep following, keep seeking, keep trusting him. And finally, God would have you follow him even if you suffer for it. First Peter three seventeen. for it is better to suffer for doing good. If that should be God's will, and it is sometimes, than for doing evil. So all of those things, as you read through scripture, you're going to begin to find a pattern of things. This is God's mind. This is the great mind of God. This is what he wants. This is what he honors. This is what he loves. And I should be humble enough, surrendered enough to say, okay, if you want it, that's what I need to build into my life. But uh, Henry Blackaby will finish with this quote. Henry Blackaby, I think, defines the issue pretty well for us. Our difficulty is not that we don't know God's will. Our discomfort comes from the fact that we do know his will, but we do not want to do it because it's hard, because it's different, because oftentimes it's not in the short term, personally beneficial. It may be calling to serve others or to, to share or to give up or, or to, to take a step back for a moment. And so our struggle as we look at this is not that we oftentimes don't know what God wants. We just don't want to do it. And so I would encourage you, if you want to be a person who knows God's word, be engaged in God's word where his will is over and over and over describes, but also know that scripture has to be obeyed. Lots of people know lots of things about the Bible that they never act on. Know that scripture has to be obeyed. And there are real consequences when we obey. There are real blessings that come when we obey. And there are also real consequences when we choose to disobey. This statement from our chapter, the last couple paragraphs there, when it talked about the danger, he used the example of Isaiah and told how Isaiah was told to go and preach to a people, but he was going to preach to them and they weren't going to respond when Isaiah was called in Isaiah 6, go, who, here am I, send me. Well, God said, I want you to go, go preach to them, but your preaching isn't going to bring about a revival. It's going to bring about a hardening of their hearts because they're going to hear you, but they will refuse to obey you. And so the preaching doesn't build them up. The preaching hardens their hearts. And so it says this, preaching is incredibly dangerous because those who listen but don't obey become deaf. How? We all know people who sleep through an alarm clock or who live beside a landing strip but never hear a plane. Hearing without heeding leads to deafness. When we ignore God's warnings, he sends us further warnings that make us harder and harder of hearing. So my prayer for us today is that we would not just be people who hear, yeah, I know the things God wants for me and be content in that. But God really um, is pretty clear. He wants people who hear and, and, and obey. Wasn't that Jesus, one of his famous parables, right? Two people build a, a house, one builds on the sand, one builds on, on a firm foundation. And really the difference between the stories is one heard the word and he obeyed it, the other did not. And one house stood and one house fell. And it really came down to, they knew what God wanted. One did it, one refused. And that made all the difference. Would you pray with me, please? Our God and our Father, we are thankful that you are a God of such infinite wisdom, great knowledge, incredible understanding, and yet 
you have chosen both through your revealed word and through, uh, through your son, most importantly, that you sent to us, that uh, you've made known your mind. You've made known what your wishes and your will is for us. You have told us a greater story that you call us to be a part of. And so it's our, our prayer today, Father, that as kingdom citizens, that you would help us to, uh, to be not just hearers, that we should hear, but may we be people who are surrendered enough to become doers, that we obey what we read. And so, Father, would you uh, allow that to happen in our life? Help us to break down the pride. Help us to break down our love for sin. Help us to break down our just our, our fears, our anxieties about really following the will of God in our life. And so whatever that next step for us may be, Father, um, may we do it with great faith, great trust, and great joy because we're leaning into the greatest wisdom, the greatest knowledge, the greatest mind in the world. And so, Father, help us to be a kingdom people whose constant prayer is, Lord, your will be done in my life. Help us with that. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.